So, welcome to Creation 4, Lesson 4, Creation of the Angels. Um, in our first few lessons, we, we went through the opening words of, of Genesis 1-1, the inspired Word of God. This is a little loud again. The inspired Word of God, Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's, that's where we began. Um, and that, that was taken from the inspired Word of God. And, and what is the inspired Word of God? Why is it inspired? Or Yep, exactly. Exactly. Holy men of God, carried by the Holy Spirit, penned his, his, his ideas, would you say, Tony? Did they pen God's, like, kind of general thoughts? Yeah, the exact message is, is what we learned. Um, and so as we've begun to unpack that of in the beginning, just the power of God, of his presence, that he was from everlasting to everlasting, he was present. I hope you guys are just starting to be more amazed as we dive into perhaps something that's been overly familiar, but we're just looking at it at a, in a new way, at, at a new pace, in a new light. Um, it's exciting, I think, as you go in a sense, back to basics and dig deeper. One of, one of the guys I was teaching this to last year, he said, he came up with this really cool analogy or heard it somewhere else said, but he's like, it's, it's in the depths of the ocean where the most beautiful pearls are found. And I thought, well, how true is that of God's word when we slow down enough to not just be glancing over what we think we already all know. So yeah, let's just keep going into God's history, his story. Um, yes, I know Siri's not available. I don't know why she's asking me for that. Um, so we started to, to unpack the God chart, um, that he's able to teach us about everything because he alone was there in the beginning, God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy spirit. So we trust his word as our authority and we take everything back to it as the source. Um, he existed in the beginning, the triune God, eternal and greater than all. Um, he's all powerful. He exists on his own, uh, power. He's self-existent, we say. And so as such, he needs nothing. He's not lacking anything. We read that his spirit hovered over, hovered over the waters. And, uh, and it's not because of him being a spirit that he is then ever-present and all-seeing, but he's an unlimited, thank you, Becky, he's an unlimited spirit. Um, unlike angels that we'll be learning about tonight, which are limited, uh, limited spirits. And of course, ourselves, we have a body and we are limited and blind uh, immensely compared to God. God is, we learned, is one, yet three, and uh, we said that by his one being in three persons. Um, mankind, we know we're plentiful, but one human being, there's one Brent, one human being, um, and angels, there's, we'll learn about that tonight, being plentiful. And God, because he's, everything is all-seeing, nothing can be hidden, and since nothing can be hidden, nothing is unknown. He sees all, he knows all. And... Um, and then we're going to delve into here tonight that he is absolute owner and final ruler overall as creator. And then we're going to talk about his holiness. And then the bottom one, just pretend like it's not there right now. <laughs> as you kind of scan across to mankind and angels, you just see it, just a repeat pattern that we are so limited in, in every aspect compared to God. Um, two, something else I just wanted to ask. What are certain things that you guys are carrying forward? I think that was one of the questions 
um, that I had, was it last week or week before, as kind of an extra take-home. I'm just curious what you guys are taking forward. We have these hooks we talk about with each lesson. Is there anything you guys want to share that is kind of standing out to you, that is impacting you right now, that um, is either a hook or it doesn't have to be a hook per se, um, but something that's come out in the lessons you want to just share? Yeah, cool. And just stated so bluntly, not with a qualifier, and that's just the power of him, hey? He doesn't, we always have to justify him being so powerful and self-existent. He has no need to justify himself. He's just like, talking like, of course I was there in the beginning. Like, I was there before the beginning. Cool. Anybody else? Yeah, having to take it and hold it up to Scripture. What is the truth versus what, is, what has been a twist or a lie, deception? <clears throat> and we'll be doing that more with each, with each exercise, writing stuff up and um, going through the exercise of destroying it, so to speak, and then and replacing it with the truth. Okay, so today we're going to go move ahead with the creation of all things. Um, and guess where we're going to start? And we'll get it. Genesis 1.1. So, you guys tired of Genesis 1.1 yet? I hope not. Good, 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 good. Good, good, good. I mean, I'm excited, you guys. We just, like, you look at our, our theme verse here. The thief only comes to steal, kill, steal, and destroy. But I, talking of the triune God, have come that you might have life and have it to the full. So I'm, I'm excited as we just delve into more of the truth, even at the beginning of Genesis 1.1, that we will see God's life um, just coming to life in us. Um, so go with me to Genesis 1.1. I do have it there, but if you have your word, that's always a good practice. Make sure I haven't had a typo, which I've already caught some of my typos earlier. So here we have it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So it's interesting here. I think all of our Bibles probably have an S on the end of heavens. Does everyone have an S on the end of heavens? <clears throat> heavens here, plural. It can mean the atmosphere of the sky. It can mean uh, the universe or outer space, the stars. And it can also mean a uh, spiritual realm. And that includes the dwelling place of God. But don't take my word for it. We're going to get into scripture that will back up what I'm saying. So we're going to look into this aspect, a specific aspect of the spiritual heavens. Specifically, God creating the angels or spirits. God goes on to, more, to explain more about this in the book of Job. So flip with me uh, to Job 38, um, 4 to 7. Job chapter 38, just before Psalm and Proverbs there, in the middle, kind of roughly of your Bibles. I always like volunteers to read, so I always be thinking, should I read this time? It helps, uh, helps your ear to stay tuned when you don't have just one voice the whole time. 
So, Job 38, 4 to 7. <clears throat> Kevin, I see that hand. Thank you. Sure. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched measuring line across it? On what were, uh, on what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together, and all the angels shouted for joy. Thank you. So in this passage, God states that the angels sang, sang together, shouted for joy. It calls the morning stars and angels in that last verse of seven. And it's saying, who was there? Who determined it? Were you there? So, so backing up, the Lord is challenging a man named Job here. So he's asking him, were you there? Tell me, were you there? Did you determine its dimensions? Did you lay out the measurements of the earth, its foundations, what, its cornerstones. But the morning stars, it says, sang together, and all the angels shouted for joy. It's put in a question, but it's saying they were there. There's a statement in that as well. Um, God made all of creation. God is saying there, who was there? As he questions Job, who was there? I mean, I don't know what kind of a question it's called. Is that a rhetorical question? He's basically saying, you weren't there, buddy. <laughs> I was there. Believe me. <laughs> it's like our kids. It's like, I'm older than you. I'm your parent. And it's this way because I said it is this way. <laughs> well, and the learning for angels, too, the Bible explains, too, is they're, they're God's messengers or ministering spirits. Yeah, there's many names, many names for the angels. So t- I read that in a Bible study that I had from Sunday Adventist Church. Okay. Talks about all that. Yeah, it's, it's, we'll, we'll use primarily the term angels or spirits. Yeah. Um, but here we see it as morning stars morning as well. So the angels' presence here, it just, it, again, it's implied. They're here it's saying they sang, they were singing joy, um, shouting for joy. Is, we're saying that what I'm seeing there is that they were there before anything began, in a sense. Before, not just anything, but the creation of the earth. The Bible doesn't give a time reference um, as to when. So that's, that's up for debate, and you can debate till the cows come home, because the cows will never come home without debate. But um, the angels were created before the earth, as far as I understand the word. And, um, but the angels were there at the beginning. They're shouting for joy. And God is asking Job here, who, who determined its surveying line, its foundations, its cornerstone, and yet the angels are there. So God, in the process of us learning about angels tonight, the cool thing is we're going to learn more about God. So we're learning about angels, but we'll be learning about God in the process. And also it's going to give us a reference point about ourselves and, um, and where are we in comparison. So that's where we'll continue to go back to these little charts hanging on the, on the wood there. So the hook for tonight, if you can remember it, take it home, meditate on it. No, meditate on the word. But God created the heavens, plural, and tonight, like I said, we're going to be specifically thinking of the spiritual heavens and the angels. And then the points that we'll use to kind of unpack that, again, just he created the angels. God is the ultimate owner and ruler of the angels. We'll look at why. That sounds a bit in our today. It sounds a bit in our day and age today, um, kind of heavy-handed or whatever, but we'll see how that is not the case. And then the third point, God is holy. What does it mean, holy? And therefore, everything God created 
was perfect. And I have to say, I got, I got some good fodder from, from your website, Becky, <laughs> about holiness. So, so I think, you know, I should just get you up here to tell us at a certain point about the holiness of God, right? No, I'm kidding. I, I, won't, I won't go that far, but, but I learned or got some, got some helps from there. So thank you. Um, I need to quickly, I, I forgot all my markers tonight, but um, I'm hoping that these will, it says washable. Hopefully these will come off. So this is the timeline. We haven't talked about uh, the earth being, being formed much yet. Oh, can you see this? Ugh. So angels, I'm going to put here. Angels were there shortly after. Or I'm not going to say shortly after, but the angels were there before any human was there and before the earth was formed. Can you make that out a bit? <clears throat> I'll get a better marker next week to do that. Um, so those are our points. So if I covered it up, hang on a second, oh, I've got this fancy button here. What's the hook? Yes! Perfect. Very good, guys. God created, yep. Just to verify, oh, good, we're right. We're still on track, we're still on track. Okay, so our first point, God created the angels. So to help us to understand... Um, what is written in 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, we're going to have to look at some other passages. So the other weeks we already had looked at Colossians 1.16. Um, so I have that up here currently, Colossians 1.16. Let's just read it together. Go there in your word if you'd like. We can read it from uh, the projector together. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. All right. So we, we already kind of dissected that last week. We're, we're, getting, we're getting an idea here. I mean, we're, we got some vague ideas here. We see, what's this here? All things. So what are some of these all things? What do you guys see in there? Visible and invisible. Right? Visible power, things, invisible. Yeah, what do they mean by thrones and powers? Okay. Have any thrones or powers of the enemy or evil spirit, evil angels? Or? Yeah, even I think governments and governments. prime ministers and presidents yes. and okay. members of parliament. And again, it just, so it starts here at the beginning, all things. And then at the end, it finishes again, all things. So if you didn't get it the first time in scripture, when it's repeated, we get it an idea of greater importance. So, for in him all things were created. Oh, by the way, at the end, all things have been created through him and for him. Um, so, we mentioned maybe some of the visible things of these powers. What, what are some of the invisible? We're, we're, we're just kind of have this general term now, invisible. What are some of the invisible things God created? Evil spirits and stuff like that. Yeah. But backing up, we're not at evil yet. Yeah, spirits, exactly. Yeah, we're right up here with the angels, right? Spirit beings. What did he use to create the angels? Did he have some chocolate chips and flour and salt and a bit of baking soda? Were they sugar cookie angels? No. What did he use? Yeah, his word, his word. 
He spoke them from nothing. Basically, he used nothing, right? I'm trying to play with this pen a little bit, so let's just try this. From nothing he used. And then, who did the angels exist for? Yeah, because here we're seeing for him. And who's the him? Jesus. Yeah, yeah, God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for God alone. That's fun. Can you read that? <laughs> it's very slippery. <laughs> That's my excuse anyways. So notice again how clear God is. What are we seeing again? That he's, he's just really driving home that he did it all. We see it at the top. We see it at the bottom. All things, all things. Was that seven seconds, Kieran, from question to answer? That was like maybe 0.7 of a second. Okay, I'll work on that. He tells me I should have seven seconds between a, an ask and a response. Is that right? We must understand, and I, I think I highlighted this in your guys' notes because I don't want you to miss it. We must understand that there was no one or nothing that existed with God in eternity past. He created everything, and that includes every spirit. It's crucial to know this. And people have a bit of convoluted ideas about this today. Like, ah, like... Was it all just existing or did something, did the spirits evolve into being God? But no, God existed in eternity past alone. He created the angels. And let's just keep going forward on that, okay? Let's read an account of how many angels were created. And I, I think a lot of you guys are sharp, sharp here, so you probably know. Don't, don't, don't read it. Don't read it. Let's go there. Revelation 5, Amo. Oh, you're not supposed to see that yet. <laughs> Awesome. Thousands upon thousands, ten thousands upon ten thousand. That is a lot. I mean, the, I think the point too is, is not that we would count it, count them, but like a vast number, an, in, almost innumerable, innumerable to us, but God would know every one. He created, God alone, a vast number of angels that the writer of Revelation is explaining here. Let's pause and consider, you guys, just how powerful one would have to be to make that happen. And not only make that happen, manage it. So who, who is a classroom? Who has a classroom or who has like some people that they're responsible for at a time? How well do you manage that not vast number? <laughs> <laughs> is the time up yet? Are their parents coming yet? Right? So, I mean, it's, it's comical, but I mean, like most of us, if you're a teacher, 30, 35, even that'd be a stretch, but 30 is already a number that's like maximum manageable. And even that word manageable is quite loose. Um, God has this thousands upon thousands, 10,000 times 10,000 of angels. And they're encircling the throne. Like, so they sound orderly. They don't sound like they're, they're uh, chaotic here. Um, as we taught in the last lesson, God is almighty. And so that means powerful. And he's not limited. We saw back here 
I think we pl placed it up here. Did I put it? Unlimited. This is always my worst habit of not being able to find things. Anyways, all-powerful means he's unlimited, right? So he always has had unlimited power. He's always self-existed. And the cool thing, too, is each one of us had to go to school to learn how to manage somebody or manage a group or whether you became a supervisor or a teacher. You go to school to learn about that. Did God learn from somebody? Six, seven. Okay. <laughs> no. Did he ever have a teacher? Will he ever need a teacher? No. Thank you. He has already known everything about everything. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the angels were created to praise and serve God. We have a couple verses you could jot down. I don't know if I have them there for you. Nehemiah 9, 6. And Hebrews 1.6. I'm not going to go there right now, but just for reference to make, you know, just helping you be a Berean. Nehemiah 9.6. And Hebrews uh, 1.6 I had there. But for now, we're going to go to Psalm 103, 20 to 22. Let's look at a verse here that describes what the angels are like. We're heavy into thumb, thumb flipping tonight in our, in our swords, so. Psalm 103, 20, um, 20 to 22. Someone. All right. Thank you. Let's, let's break this down. What are we seeing here as to how, how these angels are being described? So it's, God's talking about the angels here. What, what do you see in that verse? Let's break it up. Mighty ones. Mighty ones. Obedient. Yeah. Obedient. Heavenly obeying. Hosts. Heavenly hosts. Yeah. Talking about the angels there again. Servants or ministers. That's right. Servants. They're, they're doing his bidding. What's, what's his bidding or what is bidding? We're not at an auction here. <laughs> Mine says his will. Doing his will. Yeah. That might, might bring some clarity for people. They do his will, God's will. I mean, down here we get... Um, they're praising, or they're being told, praise the Lord. And here we have do his will again. So sort of bidding up here, and then do his will down here in verse 21. So yeah, God's describing his mighty servants as servants, doing his bidding, obeying his word. And then, come on. Are the angels as powerful as God? No, no, no. What, what's, what are some hints? Who's praising who? Yeah, who's praising who? Totally. They're lower than God. They're lower than God. They're praising Him. Um, they're doing His will. They're, they're God's servants. So, angels too, they're, they're below God. They're going to need God's help in every way at all times. They're not God, and they're not mini-gods. What are... What are the angels acknowledging when they praise God? 
Yeah. He's so much greater than them. His rule and authority, I guess? Yeah, totally. His rule and authority. They're submitting to him. He's, he's worthy of all their praise. That's right. Yeah, and we'll actually uncover that very verse here in a little bit, too. So they're calling him holy. I mean, you just keep going down this list and you flip-flop it back. God exists in the beginning. Angels didn't. God's all-powerful. Angels are not. God is spirit, so are angels, but angels are limited and blind in comparison. They can't be everywhere present at one time. We'll, we'll look at some verses where angels were sent or angels went, and so that implies that they aren't everywhere at one time. God is, isn't sent, per se, in his spirit. He is just always present. God is the one, yet three. Angels are individually plentiful, but they're one and one. You know what I mean? Um, we do see in, in 1 Corinthians 13.1 and Revelation 14.6, and 9, um, it talks of the angels being able to take physical form, being able to speak. In the Revelation passage, 14, 6, 8, and 9, it talks of them shouting, shouting for joy. We just read them shouting and singing joy. The cool thing, too, in Revelation is it actually says that they, they speak the languages of the nations. So pretty cool that, that angels can speak. They have a voice. They have intelligence if they can speak multiple languages. I don't know if, you know, if there's the French angels and then the, you know, the German angels, but either way, the languages of the world. So they can do, they have great intelligence, but they're not everywhere present at one time like God is. They can move quickly, but again, they're still so limited. <clears throat> so we're going to just continue to unpack how angels are powerful, but not as powerful as God. Let's go to Jude, that teensy-weensy book that hides itself between Revelation and Third John. We're going to read uh, Jude, verse 9. Jude, verse 9. <clears throat> but even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. What's, what's kind of a hint of what you're getting there, Kevin? Michael doesn't have the authority to rebuke. Yeah. So is he limited? Yeah. Yeah. He's limited. He's, he's saying, God's going to take care of this because I can't. I won't. So they're powerful, as we see, but yet limited in power. So Michael is an archangel. He's, I think, highest of the angels. He wouldn't rebuke the devil. And it's just one example of how they are limited still in power. Um, go to Second Peter 2.11. 2 Peter 2.11. Don't race ahead on us yet. We're not there yet. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, 2 Peter 2.11. Get another volunteer would be helpful. <laughs> Please. If you like to read. If you don't want to, if you want to hear my voice all night, I'm all right with that too. I 
And so here, it, it just, we're using this verse just purely to demonstrate um, their power against people, because right before that, they're talking about proud and arrogant people um, and supernatural beings. But it's saying the angels are far greater in power, but do not bring blasphemy against these. So they are powerful, greater in understanding than people, but limited. From other passages, it seems like angels also don't need food or water like we do. They're not limited by physical body in the same sense that we are. And they can see in that spiritual domain, uh, both the physical and the spiritual world, whereas we cannot, at least. I haven't, I haven't been able to, and I don't see any scripture that uh, supports that on a, on a normal basis. So even though angels were made more powerful than humanity... They are not as powerful as God. So we've established God is all-powerful. Angels are not as powerful as God. Angels are powerful. Humans are not as powerful. Does that make sense, what we got so far? All right. So, Emil, this is the part you're itching for. So since, since the all-powerful, all-knowing God created every last one of these angels, this means that God is far greater, that the angels and spirits, they exist for... God alone, even though he doesn't need them, because he, again, he's self-existent, so he's lacking nothing, so there's no need of the angels. Um, also, that we are to listen to God's word and not spirits that contradict God's word. And what was the one thing we were talking about with God being spirit? Could we manipulate God? So with angels being spirit and not having need of things that we need of, of like food and Oxygen, can we manipulate the angels, do you think, to do what we wish? I'm not hearing a lot of certainty out there. Can, do you think we can manipulate the angels? I mean, just going off of what we're learning about God as a spirit, he needs nothing. Angels as spirit, if they don't need anything, what could we manipulate them with or coax them with to do what we would have them do? Nothing. 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 We can't manipulate angels. Um, so let's just let's dive into some conflicting beliefs. In our current culture, it seems like there's, with the movies, and I know these aren't the latest and greatest, but there's Harry Potter. Um, there's a Lucifer TV show. Um, there seems like there's a growing fascination with the spiritual domain. And uh, whether it's a, a sort of a loosely practiced animism that uh, everything is a spirit or pantheism where God is in everything or if it's just loosely you know there's a spiritual domain out there there's a growing fascination with that and a growing practice and uh, and those shows like Harry Potter and Lucifer just some examples but there's if you look at um, Netflix there's an increasing number of those types of shows which to me tells me there's an increased interest in that in that world Um, so there's there's people that kind of are there, growing kind of in a greater interest to all of that, of the spiritual realm. And then there's the other side, believing that there's just whatever I can see and touch here and now, that's what's real and nothing more. Um, I want to ask you guys, how does our culture clash with the truth that an all-powerful and all-knowing God created and is greater than these angels or these spirits? So one of the questions I want you guys to, to mull in your minds 
So the truth that God created these angels and he is greater than them. Do we have anything that jumps off? And, and not to say that I'm hitting the question that would, would cause the rub in what's just been taught, but share with me if there is things. There's a movie on Facebook, on a movie, or they're sipping of it or something, about I am Gabriel or something. I don't know if you guys saw it on Facebook or not. No, no. It's a little boy. It's a true uh, story about a boy. And they closed down the house or something because of evil or something. I don't know what it was all about, but I can't remember what it was all about. So yeah, I'm asking for if there's if there's any uh, beliefs out there that that push against the truth that God created the angels and He is more powerful than they, and we are not as powerful as the angels. Something like that. Is there things that kind of rub in, in your world or in your circles of influence that you hear? We often hold to the truth that a ruler is only as strong as his army, his followers, his hmm. believers. His okay. <clears throat> As his, yeah, his army or whatever it is, his group. Ruler is only as strong as his army. So yeah, suggesting that God isn't, isn't any more powerful than his whole angels put together. They'd be even, that is false, yeah. Okay, because we're not at the devil yet, I'll just change that to, to just that, um, yeah, that God is, God has an equal, or has a created equal. That's essentially what you're saying, hey, Tony? Or don't let me put words in your mouth. Because we're, we're not at the fallen angel at this point in our story yet, so we're just kind of sticking to God has created the angels at this point. <coughs> I mean, some, some things, oh yeah, you had something to say. I was going to say that in the, like the New Age world, you know, people who are, might call themselves spiritual or that sort of thing, um, there's a lot of people who believe in angels or believe in like angels or spirit guides or that sort of living spirits, angels or spirit guides, and then they might just see God as like the universe. Okay. So that God's this, this impersonal force. Okay. angels and spirit guides are like your conduit for accessing knowledge. Okay, angels are your source. Well, basically, yeah, source of truth or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Angels can become our gods. Yeah. And God gets really lowered because it's just this whole impersonal force. Yeah, they tend to worship them, so yeah. And God belittled as a result. Yeah. I mean, some other examples that came to my mind were I know when I was a kid, I did Ouija board. You know, you try and try and chant up some spirit, thinking again I could manipulate the spirit into answering something I wanted. Um, horoscope seems pretty mild, but horoscopes is a is a something that's trying to look into sort of that spiritual realm or fortune telling. You know, tarot cards, all all that stuff, right? Is is dabbling and mixing kind of with that spiritual realm, manipulating it. Um, 
which we are not taught in the word to do. So, angels are the answer <laughs> for the prayers. Catalyst influence God. Yeah, I mean, how many, how many have heard the term guardian angel? I mean, I think it's in the word, but it's not in the sense of like, oh, you got your guardian angel and. You've got your guardian angel, and they really look after you, and God, like you say, is this impersonal, universal force that's out there and not with you, which is, again, false. We learned last, last week or whatever that it was God is personal. He is there. He is present, and you can't hide from him as spirit. Um, okay, we're just going to park that. If you have more, you really want to get off your chest. But again, this isn't, this isn't exhaustive. This is me asking you. What's in your world? Not necessarily that you hold to these some, personally. What about some churches that believe in a supernatural? And I don't believe in that at all. Because it's not some devil is supernatural. Depending on what they mean by the supernatural. I mean, God is supernatural. Well, so it depends. You have to unpack that term. That. Some churches disagree with that. Because most of it's stuff the devil. Most of the supernatural stuff. Sure. Well, we're not going to dive into that right now. But let's just keep going on what the word is going to unpack for us. Yeah, a word That's right. Um... I mean, if, if any of these, like I'm saying, you might not personally hold to those. Maybe you do. But there are things around us that we're hearing. And, and continue to think on them. Maybe there's, maybe there's ones that you don't want to bring up, and that's fine. I'm not saying you have to air your laundry here. But um, if, if there's any of these or others that you truly believe to or have kind of found their way into your thinking a bit, then what, do we, what must we do with those? Do we retain them? Take, yeah, take it back to the source. Take it back to the source, exactly. We need to guard our hearts against deceptions that trick us into believing that we have more power than the spirits or, or that the spirits um, have power over God, right? Um, we, destroy, we destroy lies that are put in place of the word. Um, let's go to our second point for the night. God is the... I think I have it here. Do I have it here? Did I have it here? Nope. God is the ultimate owner and ruler. God is the ultimate owner and ruler. What do I mean? To further understand the heavens, the spiritual realm that we're talking about, let's read two additional verses, both found in Psalms. So Psalm 11 and then Psalm 103 is the other one. So Psalm 11 is the first one. Eleven, verse 4. Okay, what are we, in your words, what are we seeing in these verses about God? Also, I mean, some of our verses are saying Lord. So the Lord is another word for God. What are we seeing about him in these verses? 
Yeah, he's observing everyone. Yeah, he's on his heavenly throne, so that would suggest, yeah, that he's in heaven if he's on his heavenly throne. Um, you said holy, awesome, yeah, holy. Yeah, there's, there's a judging that's happening there. And, and again, that's another word that's heavily loaded in our day and age. We, um, but yeah, there's a, his eyes examine them, <clears throat> judging all the people from heaven. What about heaven? Is it a fictitious place? Or what are we seeing here? Is it a, is it a true place? He created it. He says he's there. If God is real and if he's there, is heaven real? Logically, yes. Heaven is a real place with a real throne. It's holy. Things visible and invisible. What, what is holy? When you guys hear holy, what bounces around in your heads from what you've learned so far? Set apart. Set apart. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Good, through and through. Through and through. Above all. Totally other. You had a lot of good words in there. Otherness, right? You had uh, just sacred, revered. Um, It's his attribute above all attributes. It, it, It just permeates every other attribute of God. Um, in light of God's rule from his throne where can we say that he's ruling the angels from? yeah from his throne in heaven sorry sometimes I make the questions sound more complicated than they are just making sure you track it (laughs) that's right so yeah he rules his angels from heaven Let's, let's look at verse 103, verse, or sorry, chapter 103 of Psalm, verse 19 there. It says, The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. So just another reference to him ruling in, ruling in heaven and ruling over all. Um, I think I have here Revelation. This one here from Revelation, just picking up from the thousands upon thousands, ten thousand upon ten thousand angels, it says in reference to those angels, and they sang a mighty chorus, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, they sang blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. So we just see again and again, God is ruling from His throne. His throne is in heaven. It is holy. It is perfect. He's ruling who? Everything. Everything. The angels, He commands from there. They do His bidding from there. Um, his justice, He sees everything, it says in that, in that earlier verse in Psalm. Uh, he, he observes everyone in Psalm uh, chapter 11, verse 4. His eyes are on them. Let's continue to go deeper on this here of, of God's ownership. So here he's ruling them. Why, why can he rule them? Why can he judge them? Why can he have his eyes on everything? Let's go deeper into that of, of what that's tied to. So let me, let me illustrate just a quick thing here. 
So I, have, I actually dug up some of our artifacts that I brought back from Papua New Guinea, and this is one of my favorite arrows from there. I wish I, I could say that I built this. I didn't. It's one of the most sophisticated arrows that they, that they do. But pretending I made this, I whittled it out. You know, I, had, I, I did learn how to make a simpler arrow than this. But um, let's say you know, I, got the, I went to a bamboo tree, and I, and I got this piece. This piece is all just bamboo. And then I got my grass and wound it around. Went and got some nice hard ironwood for this and attached it. And you know, I whittled all this, and it wove my grass in between. So if you wanted this, what would you need to do if any of you wanted this? I'm the one with the bullet. <laughs> Buy it. Ask. ask. Why do you need to ask me? I mean, I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it. I made it. So whose is it? Is it mine or is it yours? That's why you're asking me for permission to borrow it, right? I mean, today we don't have a whole lot of cases where we, we build something and therefore it's yours. I mean, you might build a house. You might craft a piece of furniture or something like that, and you, maybe you bought some of the supplies, but if you bought some of the supplies, say if you're an artist and you painted a picture, you wouldn't need per permission where to hang it on the wall, would you? You made it, assuming the wall is in your house. <laughs> you, you made it. I mean, if I wanted the picture, I'd have to buy it or you'd have to gift it to me because you possessed it. It's yours. You made it. So what are you seeing in the, in the overlap here of God and the angels? with me and something that I've crafted. What's the overlap? Yeah, if he made them, does he not own them? Why is that any different? Why would it be any different? So he doesn't have to get their permission. Would you please worship me? Or would you please be in, in heaven here with me? He owns them. God's position as absolute ruler over the angels is because he alone created them. I highlighted this for you guys too because I don't want you to miss it. Never at any point does God need to get the angels' permission on anything that he asks them. They exist for him alone. And as I say that he, they exist for him alone, it's not because he lacks. You guys know that already, right? It's not because God is limited. He made them so he has the right to direct them in much the same way as I would have the right to direct that arrow, where it goes, where I put it, where I use it, or if you paint or if you create something, you have, this, you have the privilege to decide how to use it too, right? <clears throat> um, moving to another point here. Does God run a democracy? Let, let's, before we get into that, what, what kind of governments are in our world today? <laughs> ding, ding. You get zero points for that. Participation point. Communist, yeah, communist government. Dictatorship, yeah. What's in England? Monarchy, yeah. Republic. Which one's the best? <laughs> We're not talking which party is the best. We're talking which government system is the best. 
we say democracy. It's what we're used to. Um, now, from what we read in the Bible, what type of government or leadership does God have for the angels? Dictatorship. Dictatorship? Theocracy, actually. Theocracy. Because he's God. <laughs> yeah, Theo is for, you know, the God part. And uh, Radic is for, no, <laughs> Rackacy or whatever you say. Exactly. The government that God has is theocratic. He's recognized and honored as the supreme owner and ruler because he created it all. What do you guys think? So you kind of shot out, he's dictator. He'd be a dictator, which is like, Potentially, but what do we often see in a dictatorship government? Abuse. Yeah, yeah, an unbalance. A, yeah, there's the oppressed. Um, what kind of rule do you think God employs when he has his theocratic government? Holy or government. It's holy for sure. Holy. Just. Just. Holy and ruling. Benevolent. Benevolent. What is benevolent? How do you unpack that? The best for everyone, yeah. Kind, caring, loving. Yeah. And, and which of those attributes, like, win? Win, come out on top? All of them. Uh, the word that I like to use is, they're in harmony. They're in harmony. And His holiness invades every one of those attributes. And so, if... If God has this theocratic government, which is what I believe the word is teaching us, and he rules with all his attributes in perfect harmony and sync, would it be oppressive? Would it be dictator-like? I don't think so. I mean, he has the right to say and do their bidding, but when he has his his creations best in mind as well, it would never be to their harm. And because he's faithful or, or true, um, all of these attributes of his character will remain. It's, like a, it's not like one comes out on top that he kind of forgets to be loving for a, for a blip of a moment. And, uh, and something else, his justice wins. It's, it's all in perfect tension. That's why, that's why he's God. <laughs> or he is God, and this is the truth of God. So yeah, with his, with his angels and spirits, he doesn't, it's not a, it's not a, a vote. It's not a democracy. Um, he does rule them and expect them to not hesitate. Um, he expects them to obey, as we read, to do his bidding, to do his will. And they, they exist for him, and they're each held accountable. I mean, they're created as still free moral agents, but not in the sense that they are programmed to just do his bidding. Um, think about it. What would God be like if he wasn't an absolute ruler? Would it even be possible? Could he be good? Mm, no. I don't think so. If he wasn't absolute? No, no, no. It, well, yeah. Maybe, maybe it'd be good for him, lining his pockets, so to speak. What comes to mind when we think about God as absolute owner or ruler overall? Sense of peace. Sense of peace? Yeah. Totally. 
Yeah, he's not bound to somebody else delivering so that he can accomplish his will. He accomplishes his will. And he's never unloving in his rule. What are, what are some wrong beliefs as we, as we go forward um, that would, would push against this? And I, and I guess, as, hang on a second, as we kind of, as we bundle up these attributes and, and we talk about God's theocracy, um, there's one word that's, I mean, it's a, it's a simple word in some sense, like holy, but it's also not so simple to always define. But it's, God is sovereign. He's a sovereign ruler over everything. Do I have that there yet? Can anybody find it? Do I have it here? I think I have a new sheet that has this in it. God is sovereign, and if it's not in this one, I will one day add it to this. Let's just say supreme. <laughs> but yeah, God is sovereign. And how do you define sovereign? Right. Yeah. Final say. Not only the final say, does anybody else get a say? No. <laughs> the only say. The only say. I mean, sometimes it helps me to kind of bring it down to earthly terms and then bring it back. So, like, I think of the queen. Like, we talk about, like, crown land and, you know, the sovereign queen. She's sovereign, you know, in Canada or she's sovereign in England. <laughs> yeah, we won't get down into that rabbit trail. But, but just that term, you know, she doesn't historically, and I know things have changed, but she didn't need to consult. If she did, it was purely because she wanted to. It wasn't required of her. Um, so now you just dial that up to God level. <laughs> and uh, it's like, does God need to consult with his theocracy? Does he have an advisory board? No, not at all. Does he have a board of directors? Not at all. It, it, he is sovereign over everything in his theocracy. So what beliefs dishonor God as, as a sovereign final owner and ruler? What are, what are things going around in your guys' minds or your circles of influence that, that we can jot up here on the, on the flip chart that push against his ownership and rule? Yeah, that's a really hard one. Yeah. And so it's just that idea of the more that we can worship, the more options we have to make our own choice. How do I put that? <laughs> we'll honor the Holy Spirit's power. Pardon me? We'll honor the Holy Spirit's power by not, not evil spirits. Um, so you're saying... People yeah. would rather have multiple things to worship than... Mm. Yeah, don't want to be accountable. Don't want ultimate authority to, that they have to submit to, right? Yeah. No to submission. Totally. This is huge for us in our culture. Yeah, tolerance. Tolerate. Tolerate. Yeah, totally. Ugh. It's like who's more tolerant wins, kind of is our culture, right? Heaven forbid you submit, but. Yeah. 
Yeah, right? It's like if you submit, you're the weaker, weaker one, right? Totally. Yeah. So, so rule is kind of the practice or is the outplay of ownership. How about, so I think we've sort of, and maybe, I mean, it's tied, but as we think of ownership, the angels are owned by God. God owns all he's created. How does that rub? Or what is that, what is the lie that pushes back against that? Yeah, as as owner, like is it like he's like a poor owner? Maybe you're thinking, or like a weak owner. Okay, if there is that, he has no ownership. Right. So like his, his ownership can be like usurped or others can, uh, yeah. It's like the witch doctors act on their own behalf through spirit, not through God. Yeah. So that just kind of shows in that culture, that spirit isn't under submission of God. Unsubmitted. As I like reword it to put it up here, tell me if you're like, that's not what I meant. Because <laughs> I just try to like render it into like something that fits up there, basically. Shamans act through spirits unsubmitted. Dr. Brent up here. Yeah. I mean, and there, there's more, I'm sure. Um, I mean, we think of it, we can see it in the practice. Again, some of these... Uh, we, we, like this, I've seen, like, don't want authority. I mean, I think all of us have, have that, that push back in our, in our flesh, so to speak. Uh, the ownership thing, it's, it's definitely a hard thing to, for some people to, to swallow, so to speak. But in terms of practicing those thoughts, playing those thoughts forward, playing them out, I mean, you see things like prayer to angels, right? Like you have your special angel that you pray to. I mean, why would you pray to an angel if they're not even the ones that are all powerful? Or um, maybe these, maybe God actually wants to rule us and control us because he needs to or because he's cruel. He is a dictator. So his ownership is, is actually a, a manipulated one or he manipulates us. Um, and even as we see more of, of God creating the angels and what they're doing, that pushes against some of the common beliefs that we have of, like, what do you, what do you picture when you see an angel? Or, like, just imagining an angel. What do you envision? Okay. Does anybody picture, like, the harp thing on the cloud? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like a Gary Larson idea? I mean... Those are things, too, that, I mean, I think what you're saying is true. But sometimes we let media come in or cartoons or what have you that also Halo. push against, yeah, Halo, that push against what we're just reading here of what the angels are doing. We're not necessarily getting a, a physical picture of them. We, we have this one here of them around, you know, the throne, mm-hmm. the holy throne, the holy temple in heaven. Um, but again, this is just our human, human idea of what they might look like. But 
they're not sitting around twiddling their thumbs playing a harp. They're worshiping God. They're doing His bidding. Yeah, Imo. I think too. I went to Max Farweed. Max Farweed once, uh, and uh, and uh, under underneath the counter, they got all kinds of occult stuff, you know, underneath the counter. Yeah. And they got angel cards and occult cards and, and tarot cards and all that junk and all kinds of junk they have there. Yeah, it is junk. It's all, all just evil spirits, all that junk. Yeah, so I mean that kind of stuff and this kind of stuff. What does it do to God, or what does it, what does it do as, as those beliefs are held to, or yeah, what is it essentially doing? Ruin a person's life. Yeah, there's that. The devil's in charge. What does it do in terms of God's sovereign authority, and, and or not do to it, but in terms of the our perception of it. Yes. Deception. Perception of it. Yeah, I'm thinking it undermines it, right? If God is truly that, and we're not giving credit where credit is due, we're undermining who He is as all-powerful. Diminishing Him. Diminishing, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Dishonoring Him in, in many ways. Right on, guys. Okay, let's go to our third and final point for the night. Make sure you guys are still on board with me right now. Can you read this red text with me? Everything God created was perfect. <clears throat> Everything God created was perfect. Okay, Deuteronomy 32, verse 4. Make sure I don't have any typos, please. It's, uh, most of the text we use is NIV up there. I'm reading from an NLT. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. 32, verse 4. He is the rock, his works are perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. So God is just described there, and what, oops, what words are used? Faithful. Yeah. Faithful God. You said just, Emil? Yeah. Just. Faithful. Pardon? Upright. Yeah. Rock. Exactly. That's like one that I'm really liking. Rock. Does no wrong. Does no wrong. I mean, it's like every word here, right? His works are perfect. His ways are just. Faithful God does no wrong. Upright and just, it says again. Repeating it. Just as he. And we have rock up here. What, is, what do these terms mean? Let's start with rock. What do you guys think of with rock? Why? I mean, it's a capital R and it's not the beginning of a sentence. So he's being called rock. The rock. Yeah. Jeez. What? I don't think he's referencing that. Yeah. But we don't have a capital T, the rock. We have just... But yeah. He's the rock. Rock. What do you think of with rock? Christ in the church. That's the rock. Yeah? Tell me more. Solid. Solid. Foundation. Stable. 
yeah, build your life on. Exactly. Unmovable. Unchanging. Okay. How about, what's our next one here? Perfect. What is perfect? How do we unpack perfect? Without a defect, totally. Yeah. Any other words people will use to describe perfect? Excellent. Excellent. Perfectly excellent. <laughs> Flawless. All right. What else do we have here? Just. We have just twice. So this is a two for one deal. Just. Justice. So we can compound these things as we're, as we're kind of defining it. So as you think of just, so unchanging, unmovable, always, forever, un, uh, flawless, without defect, justice. Does no wrong. Perfect justice. Faithful? What does that mean? Some of the time? All the time. All the time. Yeah, faithful, trustworthy, true, reliable. Does no wrong, or some of the versions might say no iniquity. That one's pretty straightforward. I don't know if we can simplify does no wrong. But again, tying it through to this one, does he do wrong sometimes? Never. Just, always. Faithful, trustworthy, always. Upright? Every time without exception. Um, upright, holiness even. I think like, as we were talking of holiness earlier, like this is, this is unpacking some of holiness. And holiness is going through all that, that he's set apart in all these ways. When's the last time, Desmond, when's the last time you made something perfect? Today? What? I want to see it. What do you make perfect today? What's that? The work you're doing? Nice, nice. Well, you need to take me to see that work because I don't believe you. <laughs> He's got pictures to prove it. Anybody else make anything perfect? That's a good point to bring up. Yeah, like our measuring stick of, if we had a measuring stick called perfect, it would be like the size of this pencil. And it's like, oh yeah, maybe I reached my definition of perfect. But if we had God's measuring stick of perfect, which is always, all the time, perfectly just, unchanging, solid, it's like would be light years long and we would never measure it up to it, would we? Yeah, I mean, I, I've never made anything truthfully perfect. I, you know, I, I like to think I've done things well at times, made things, you know, as best I could at times, but not, not flawless. Even at my best attempt, I've, I've never done anything flawless. The one true God stands so far above and beyond all of us, above angels. I mean, you're looking here, we, we, need, we need God's help in everything. So anything we make is going to be flawed. He needs nothing. 
He's perfect. He's all self-contained. The angels, they need God. They're not greater than God. They're not eternal like God. God is so above and beyond angels, which are angels are above and beyond us. And God is just, you know, you just take sort of that step down. Angels are so much below God. And us, in terms of power and ability and limit, much more limited. There's never been a time in the past, never a time in the future, that this isn't true. Deuteronomy 32.4. And with that, God's holiness. God has never not been holy. He's never not been set apart, perfect, just, flawless, faithful, upright. It just gives me the shivers to think, as here we sit on this end of eternity, at this, this is where we insert in his story, and we try to look back there, and we think, all that time he's been that. He was that there, there, in the inception of the Catholic Church, the Bible, the Protestant. God was holy. You know what? And that, that'll continue. There's not a paper in the world for how much that will continue into the eternity future, and God will remain holy. And it's inseparable from who he is. How amazing is this one true God, you guys? <laughs> Does that sink in a bit? Since God's, word, since God's word teaches us that God is holy, this means that he created all the spirits perfect in every way. Can you agree with me on that? Do you see that? If God is holy, all his works are perfect, and he's faithful, so it's not like he blips in a time where something he does wasn't perfect. Doesn't that mean that the angels are, were created perfect? I mean, this is what we're getting at right here. Everything God created was perfect. So the angels are perfect. Can I get an amen? amen. Okay, amen. So you're agreeing. Anybody disagree? Okay, let's keep going. I know where some of your heads are going already. So they're perfect, but they are still different than him. We keep seeing that. I keep pointing back to these charts here. They're limited. They are spirit, but they're not everywhere present. They're not all powerful. But as we take these truths of what we're kind of snowballing along in this lesson and apply it to God's creation, like the angels, and, and namely, well, I want to kind of render that down to one angel in particular just to highlight, um, it gets really fascinating. So there was one, one angel named Lucifer. Um, I want to get his name up here too tonight. One angel in particular named Lucifer, and we'll read, we'll open our Bibles to that tonight. Wow. Just believe me that I'm writing his name right here. So we have angels, and we have Lucifer, who's kind of, you'll see how he's separated from the rest of the angels in a special way. Um, go to... Got your fingers ready? Ezekiel 28, verse 12. <laughs> Kieran's like, I'm there. I got my iPad. No. <laughs> oh, the iPad that needs no batteries or anything. Ezekiel, yeah, 28, 
I don't mind reading this if you guys want to just sit back and enjoy yourselves. Son of man, sing this funeral song for the king of Tyre. Give him the special message from the sovereign Lord. Okay. You are the model of perfection, speaking about Lucifer here, full of wisdom and exquisite in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone, red carnelian, pale green peridot, white moonstone, blue-green beryl, onyx, green jasper, blue lapis lazuli, turquoise, and emerald, all beautifully crafted for you and set in, it in the finest gold. They were given to you on the day you were created. I ordained and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian. You had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. You were blameless in all you did from the day you were created. I'm just going to stop there for a moment. <laughs> from the day you were created. Cover up the next line. What was Lucifer like? Yeah, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. The model of perfection. Yeah, model of perfection. I mean, you look at how he is decorated. And in the, in the NLT, it says that, I think I had here, we're crafted for you. <laughs> he, was, he, he was adorned with these beautiful gems, these precious stones. Crafted in finest gold. Wow. Does he, does he stand apart? Is he standing out a bit? Yeah. We'll get there. Yeah, don't race ahead. Hold your horses. Beautiful beyond description. I mean, I, I got uh, my wife uh, a birth necklace with a stone for each of our children. So just a couple different stones. And, and just those few ones, emerald and peridot, it's like they're beautiful. Look at the list here. And put in gold, given to, the, given to him the day he was created, it says. And it says there, guardian over all the other angels and was blameless or perfect. So we just said God is holy. His works are perfect in Deuteronomy 32.4. So now he's creating the angels. So... I was trying to get you to agree with me that did, does what God makes in the angels, are they not perfect? So here we're saying, yeah, yeah. He made this one perfect. He made all the angels perfect because it's true to his character. Why is it important, you guys, to know that Lucifer and all the angels or spirits were perfect when they were first created? Yeah, they were. Why is that important to know? Because God made them from the beginning. Yeah, because God made them. And what about God? And they were holy before, until they rebelled against God, and then God cast them to the earth. Yeah, we're not there yet. Hold your horses. No, I mean. <laughs> he didn't make something evil. Yeah, God didn't make something evil. He created it in His holiness, perfect. So He created in, in again, in harmony with it, with His attributes. And it's, these angels are without flaw. He doesn't create flawed things. That means that every one of those thousands upon thousands, 10,000 upon 10,000, were blameless in all their ways, in their character, in their thinking, in their attitudes, in their work. That is phenomenal, you guys. Think of it. Have you crafted one grade one child yet, Kieran, that's perfect by the end of your day? 
Think of the thousands upon thousands, 10,000 upon 10,000. And then Lucifer, above all, look at how God crafted him and created him out of nothing, perfect and beautiful. I mean, I bet even these words probably are limiting how beautiful Lucifer is created. And it's important to know that God did that perfectly and they were made blameless. Lucifer was a model of perfection. That's where, that was his starting point. Think about it. Lucifer's abilities must have been great. When you think of the vast number of angels, and then he was made, it says here, was it here? Anointed as guardian cherub. To, he was like the mighty one to, to, to rule over, to manage the other angels, a mighty angelic guardian. Um, how was Lucifer able to do that? Yeah, God. God anointed him, gave him full wisdom. Says there in the first, uh, in the verse 12 there. Pardon me. Ordained him. Yeah. You guys want to fill in that a bit? What does it mean when God ordained Lucifer here? Appointed. What does mine have? <coughs> ordained and ordained and anointed. So kind of this idea of, of set apart. It was a special, I mean, it doesn't say holy, but set apart like a priest is ordained. It's set apart or created to, to be, in the sense here, the mighty angelic guardian. Does that help? Well, God, I think it means that God chose him for that purpose. Yeah. Like appointed. Right. Yeah. So God gave him this great ability and wisdom. We see that with God made him, seal of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect. Um, the next section of the lesson, God is holy. We're going to get into that a little deeper, but just bringing that back to Lucifer. Everything God made, including Lucifer, perfect. Does that, does that rub on you guys? Is that, is that in, in check with where you're at? Everything's okay here. This is an open space. We can share. <laughs> Are we going to get into the next part of the verse of this bit tonight or not? Um, no, not tonight. Yeah. But it will come. It can't not come. <laughs> yeah, we will definitely not skip that part. But yeah, is there any, is there any beliefs that push against this part of Lucifer in our, in our world that we can jot up here? Or is there a better question I should be asking you guys? Is there something that I've just taught on in this section? Or is it something that I've already covered in the other couple points that I have that you feel like you should talk about that? That should be one of the questions that causes a rub. So there, there's your options. <laughs> is there any beliefs of who Lucifer is that we must disown? Or is there another question you want to you wanna put on the table? The world of flesh and the devil. Say that again, sorry? The world of flesh and the devil. What, what do you mean? The world, everything in the world, like evil powers and stuff, and, and wicked, wicked people, and while God loves the wicked people, he wants them to repent and come to the knowledge of saving 
grace, but they don't want to repent. So okay, we're not there. We're not there. Hang on a second. Time out. <laughs> um, we're talking about Lucifer and anything that we've learned about him so far that we need to disown or a different thing that I've touched on tonight that we need to see where the lies and the rubs are happening. Yeah, Lucifer is like a higher authority than than the, the truth. What the truth is telling us. So yeah, just Lucifer is a higher authority than what the Bible is telling us that he is created. So he's limited. He's not an authority. That's a bit of a tricky one, or maybe people just don't, don't uh, go there with Lucifer. Maybe they go into the next section where, where we'll get, um, I think, next week. Oh, yeah. Lucifer all present. I mean, he's still, he's still an angel. And as we see that God, yes, he is ever-present. The angels of the spirit, they're not like God. They're limited and blind in comparison. They're not everywhere present. They're not all seeing. Yeah. I like that, that Becky pointed that out, and I didn't mean to imply this last week, but just because something's a spirit doesn't mean that it's unlimited, meaning it doesn't mean that it can just be everywhere, or it doesn't mean that it can just, um, yeah, see everything. Like Because demon A is with, one person doesn't mean that same one is with another person at the same time. They're limited. God, not so. So thanks for pointing that out. This I really think is, is very key because for us to know that he was created, God created him and created him perfect at the very start. There's a whole different foundation to think about the angel from the devil and what's gone on right. since then and, and what he did. And we don't right. teach you or think about it or get any of that perspective of it. We just hear about the evil and all that. Right. But go back to the fact that God and that God in the beginning and God created and God created him perfect. Yes, yeah. Exactly. Made them perfect. And with the fact that he created them to obey implies that they also had the option to and so in that, they were created as moral agents in the sense that they can choose. I'm going to obey. I'm going to choose to disobey. So when we learn that God creates perfection always, we know the angels are created perfect, but they're also created with an ability to go another way. And so, yeah, it does. It kind of sets the stage for what all else will come in the word, right? I'll leave that one for now.
Um, so the hook for this week, God created the heavens and the angels as ultimate owner and ruler. God being holy, his attributes are always in perfect tension or perfect harmony. Everything he makes is perfect. None of his attributes win out at any point more than the other. So as we have these, these beliefs here, these different ones that we've been putting up here, I've got to try to remember. It's always hard for me to stretch my mind back to, to the first one. Um, so God creating the angels. Um, so he's all, he's all powerful. He's all knowing. He manages them perfectly. Here's the lies against it, that he, the ruler is only as strong as his army. Um, God has a created equal. Um, angels could be your source of truth, dim- diminishing God as, as the one of ultimate truth, absolute truth. And um, angels are the answer or the catalyst um, conduit to God. Is this, is this something that can coexist with who we know God to be? Or is God, does God blast all this out of the water? Pardon? Yeah. So do we want to keep these in our, in our thinking or destroy it? Oh, thank you. I need the assistant. Thank you, Vanna. Thank you. For those listening, Kevin brought the basket very close to me because I missed everyone There's last week. There's another one, too, uh, out there in the, where all the churches are, I think, in the, in the paper, you know. Another group is called Ekakar or some junk like that. The sound of God or something like that. They believe in the sound of God and they believe in angels and demons okay. and stuff like that. So I called that one. So this one here, our second question was uh, dealing with God as the ultimate owner and ruler of angels. So what pushes against that in our, in our culture today? We don't want authority. We don't want to have ultimate authority over us that we have to submit to. No submission. A weak owner? God is, in fact, weak because there's sickness. And so if he's our owner, then why is there all that stuff at play in our, in our world? Um, and, and shamans, too. You know, that Kevin articulated that one. Um, that shamans move through spirits and they're unsubmitted to God, and, and that kind of seems fine in our world today, in this new age kind of uh, rise. So again, does this, are these true? Or is God able to teach us about everything because he alone was there in the beginning? Tear it off, eh? Okay, and then the final point. God is holy and therefore everything he creates is perfect. We have here Lucifer is higher authority than what the Bible tells us or that Lucifer is all present like God. Is Lucifer all present like God? I, I mean, who's the unlimited spirit? God, our triune God, that's right. And uh, is Lucifer higher authority than the one who created him? No. How could that be? So do we keep these beliefs or do we let the truth of God's word invade our hearts? And I continue to challenge you guys. Continue to go forward this week and in your life just holding up these things, holding up whatever else you read. Do this exercise with yourself. What's the lie I've bought into in my life? And what's the truth say about that lie? Okay, what am I going to do with that truth? Am I going to let them coexist 
and have a blended belief that belittles God? Or am I going to let that truth wash my mind, be renewed by the power of the word? Be renewed, you guys. Because any of those other beliefs, they dishonor God. They dishonor his holiness. They say he's not perfect. They lie about him. The source of these beliefs often come from, you know, media, what we choose to tune into, the water that we place ourselves in and around, so to speak. <clears throat> and are these sources as reliable as, as God's word? Media, Facebook, or, or is God's word more reliable than anything else we could source? God's word. Because why? He's the author. That's right. Yeah. He uses inspired men to write his word exactly. And that's what we get to have in our hands today. <clears throat> so these other sources, just be careful where you find, where you go to find your answers. God's absolute truth is in his word. Those other things, yeah, they might provide you some insight to other things, but make sure you keep them in their proper place, not higher than God's word. So like I say, examine your heart, you guys. Ask God to examine your heart for you. If you've adopted any of these ideas into your view or your thinking and ask God to show you the truth. And as you discover those ideas, let the truth push those, those lies out. So just continue to practice a habit of reflecting and praying about these contrary beliefs or other ones that come to mind. So as we leave, how shall we respond to the one true God who is completely holy and everything that he does is perfect in every way. How do we respond? In awe and worship? It comes to like an angel of light. Yeah, but God. We're talking about God right now. So we revere him. Respect him. Replace wrong thinking. Awesome. Obey. Yeah. Submit. Yeah, he's ultimate owner and ruler. He created everything, the seen and the unseen, visible, the invisible, powers, rulers, dominion, authorities. So if you get a chance to continue to study these charts, just look at how God is so, so above and beyond anything that anything else that's out there, the angels, humans. Who is greater, God or people? Who's greater, God or spirits? God. So yeah, the angels responded to God in joy, in reverence, in worship. Let's do likewise. <clears throat>